0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is crossover Thursday, where I will be joined by the host of the Locked on Jets podcast, John Butchko to preview this upcoming week five game in London between the Atlanta Falcons and New York Jets.
1: You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So, guys, you know me, it's me, Aaron Freeman, I've been covering the Falcons for many years over at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans, writing weekly columns for the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And I appreciate you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen of the day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And, of course, like all shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on all podcast platforms, whether we're talking about Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many, many more. And soon-to-be Lockdown Falcons will be available on YouTube, I'm thinking. I don't want to confirm this, but... We might even start this weekend after this Jets matchup that we will get into discussing here with John Butchko of the Locked On Jets podcast. But before we get into this week's matchup between the Falcons and Jets on the crossover Thursday, I do want to sort of update you guys on the Falcons' injury situation, at least as of Wednesday, uh, in terms of their practices, um, looking at. Three players being out of practice on Wednesday with Eric Harris dealing with a calf injury, Marlon Davidson and Russell Gage still sidelined with their ankle injuries. And for now, I'm going to assume that all three of these guys will not play on Sunday because I'm just going to be the pessimist and assume that, you know, when a player misses practice under Arthur Smith, that he's not going to play on Sunday. And, you know, a lot of that is owed to the we don't necessarily know quite or have a great feel for how Arthur Smith sort of mis- his injury report compared to previous Falcons coaches. But basically when a guy misses practice on Wednesday, I'm going to assume the worst and hope for the best uh, until we get an update later in the week that maybe some of these guys are potentially going to play, Um, you know, Harris missing practice with this calf injury does explain the Falcons decision to sign veteran safety Sean Williams to their practice squad yesterday. And we mentioned how on yesterday's podcast that Williams is more of that type of box safety that fits more in the style of what Eric Harris is is as well. Obviously with Gage's injury, uh, that means we will continue to see Olamide Zaccheaus get those reps uh, opposite Calvin Ridley. You would know, Marlon Davidson that explains Mike Pinnell being elevated from the practice squad to the roster yesterday. And hopefully we will see more of him um, this weekend and, and maybe potentially less of Jonathan Ballard at this point in time. And when we talk about Olamide Zacchaeus, his main issues as a fill in for Russell Gage have, mainly been drops but it sort of seems that he's proving my initial assessment of him and as well as gauge that you know these guys aren't necessarily suited to being outside wide receivers and are better suited to being slot wide receivers and based off of their performance so far this season you you are not sort of that notion is not being proven wrong and you know based off of that Coupled with, you know, Calvin Ridley's sort of inconsistency, it does seem like, you know, the Falcons, until they can get Ridley going, especially, and engage and, and or Zaccheaus can prove to be more of a reliable option. Uh, opposite him you know the Falcons are potentially in the running for having some of the weakest group of wide receivers in the NFL Uh, and so that is going to be a concern in addition to the multitude of other concerns moving forward and that's why it's so important that they can get more out of Calvin Ridley and especially Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst as well because I don't know if you know anybody's gonna be walking through that door at the wide receiver position unless the Falcons feel compelled to go and get that outside help like a John Brown or Marvin Hall to really add some speed at that wide receiver position, something that they're not really getting from players like Zacchaeus and, and Gage. They're not slow, but they're just they're not running four threes. They're not getting on top of corners and, and really separating at the top of those routes. But obviously the more immediate issue and the more immediate concern is Eric Harris's absence and revisiting the all twenty-two from this Washington uh game in week four, and I did get the chance to watch it today on Wednesday rather than the usual Tuesday when I get to watch it. Um, I I do think Harris did play pretty well. Uh, You know, the dropped interceptions and being late over the top on that first McLaurin touchdown are going to be considered negative plays for a lot of people for him. But, you know, for me, I don't technically hold, Um, you know, dropped interceptions as negative plays for the defender. I was one of those people that, you know, didn't hold that against Desmond Trufant. So why would I hold it against Eric Harris? And I think, you know, in both of those instances, you can maybe say Taylor Heineke was a beat late throwing those footballs and that allowed Harris to time that he needed to recover and break up those passes. But generally speaking, from my perspective, a pass broken up is a positive play for the defense. Obviously, it would be better for the Falcons if he had hung on to those footballs uh, and they wound up being interceptions. Obviously, that is an even more positive play, but I can't sit here and be like, oh, he dropped interceptions. He's bad. Um, So, I think my expectation, if Harris does wind up missing this game, you know, we will probably see Jalen Hawkins be designated the starter, but maybe we could see an increased opportunity and role for Richie Grant at that uh, safety position. Um, As we speculated on yesterday's episode, Richie Grant might find his way into the lineup not at safety but potentially as a nickel cornerback although obviously Harris's absence does certainly help his case to earn more opportunities as a safety and that nickel cornerback position is a concern given the season ending injury to Isaiah Oliver and that his top backup at least so far this season Avery Williams you know watching the film of him from Washington when we got to see him for really extended opportunities I was underwhelmed with him you know the thing I like about Williams is that he is tough as nails He does seem to play his best football when he's asked to blitz. Um, But, you know, there were several instances in the Washington game that I think he struggled with. Now, some of those struggles probably are owed to the fact that he's a smaller guy. Um, Some of those instances are owed to probably the the fact that he lacks experience. Um, So it's too hard to, it's, it's tough to be too harsh on Avery Williams at this point in time. But I do sort of sit here and wonder if like, if what we saw against Washington is going to be the norm moving forward for what we can expect from Avery Williams. I sit here and I say, you know, Richie Grant and Darren Hall can't, provide more than that and if they can't that you know would be a significant indictment on at least this initial draft class and or at least the NFL readiness of this initial draft class under general manager Terry Fontenot so I think this week represents a great opportunity for both Grant and Hall to really sort of get their feet wet since they're not going to be facing a juggernaut of a football team against this New York Jets team and we'll get exactly into why that is later on today's crossover Thursday episode with Locked On Jets host, John Butchko. But before we get there, guys, I do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you have a computer with access to rockauto.com already at home or in your pocket? Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto's Prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to all your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons and locked on Jets. Today is another crossover Thursday where I, the host of Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman, you can find me on Twitter at FalcFans, is joined by John Butchko, the host of the Locked On Jets podcast. And I got to respect John because he's the only Locked On host that is not on Twitter, has basically decided to stay away from the garbage fire that is. Twitter these days, and much respect to you, John, for keeping uh, you know that at bay. But uh, we're going to be talking about this Week Five matchup in London between the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets.
1: Aaron, it's great to speak with you once again. We did this four years ago in a game at MetLife Stadium, which was played in a monsoon. So hopefully, better weather this weekend in London and a less sloppy game.
0: Well, typically, you know, London is not known for their sunny days, So, you know, I don't know what the weather report is going to be for this weekend, but I just know, generally speaking, the odds are not necessarily in our favor in that regard for a a clear sunny day uh, in London. But uh, we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. And, you know, kicking things off, talking about this New York Jets team, they're coming off of their first win in an overtime win against the Tennessee Titans, you know, this season has been a, a, a sort of a new start for this Jets team, new quarterback with Zach Wilson. And sort of my first question is is a bit of a two-parter. And the first question is, you know, we've seen a bunch of turnovers from this Jets team. Wilson already has eight interceptions this season, at, thrown at least one interception in every game. So the first part of my question is sort of you, what is your assessment that has led to Wilson tendency to turn the ball over a bunch in this first month of the season and the second question has been sort of Wilson's ability to create plays off structure and I know when with this Falcons team they've had some struggles with quarterbacks more mobile quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts and Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones do you feel like Wilson's ability to play that style will help him this week and or should the Jets be looking to try to do a better job of reining him in in that regard?
1: Well, as far as your first question, question goes, it's difficult to answer because the turnovers have come for all sorts of different reasons. There have been moments like in the game against Carolina where he threw an interception where I think he kind of just lost track of a linebacker. Against New England, he was a little bit too aggressive. I think he tried to fit balls into covered re- receivers. And on a lot of those plays, he actually had an open checkdown. Now, he threw two against Denver as well. One of them came because he was a little too hesitant. So, you know, there were the plays against New England where he was too aggressive. There was one where he had Corey Davis open and he just kind of stared him down and allowed the safety to get a jump on him. The second interception against Denver hit his receiver in the hands. It was just kind of a drop. And then the one last weekend, Corey Davis kind of slipped coming out of a break. So it's been, I'm not sure there's any one reason he's been throwing a lot of interceptions, Some of them were kind of unlucky. He's had a couple of hit receivers in the hands. As I mentioned, there've been some where he just was trying to fit balls into places. He can't fit them. I think a lot of it goes back to being a rookie. Maybe that's kind of a cliched answer, but he's facing defenses. He hasn't seen before. He's facing faster defenders than he's seen before. I think it's just a big learning curve. I think anytime you have a rookie quarterback, you're going to have some ugly moments. You just hope that, He grows and learns from his mistakes. Now, I think the Jets want Wilson creating outside the structure of the play call because after the four interception game against New England, it kind of felt like the coaching staff was a little tentative to put the ball in his hands. And it seemed like they kind of coached him to try and be safe. And that created some problems in itself. He took some sacks he probably should not have taken on plays where he had receivers open where he saw open receivers, but he was a little hesitant to throw the ball there. That interception I told you about against Denver, that was him kind of staring down Corey Davis. Like he wasn't entirely sure he wanted to throw it and he waited too long last week through almost three quarters. The Jets offense was really struggling and there was a play where he was kind of fooled at the line of scrimmage. It looked like the Titans were going to blitz and he thought he had Corey Davis one-on-one on on the slant. who was going to be open The Titans dropped out of that blitz and the passing lane was, was constricted. And instead of like moving through his progressions, he kind of just moved to, he kind of bailed on a, on a clean pocket, scrambled to his right. Keelan Cole broke his route off and he hit Cole for a 54 yard game. And the three longest completions that traveled through the air last Sunday against Tennessee were all on kind of broken plays. There was another one to Jamison Crowder where he fumbled and the Titans defenders kind of got out of position because they were kind of chasing the ball, and Crowder got open, and he hit Crowder. And then there was a touchdown to Corey Davis, which was a bootleg play where a safety kind of got himself out of position, and Wilson pointed Davis to the end zone. Uh Davis, again, there was another situation where Davis broke his route because he had a route that was coming across the field, and Davis pointed them to the end zone, and he carried it up the field and hit uh, Davis for a touchdown. And the way I view it is that Wilson's still a work in progress. He's still learning how to play the quarterback position. Again, seeing lots of looks he's never seen before and his ability to create outside the structure of the play is something that can maybe sustain him while he learns how to read NFL defenses. So we've kind of seen it both ways the last two weeks against Denver, where they wanted him to really rein things in. Jets got shut out in that game. Then against Tennessee, he started creating outside the structure of the play. They had their best offensive game of the year. So You know, you're going to live with some risks with Wilson. That's just the kind of quarterback he is. You may have some big mistakes. It may go the other way on Sunday. But I think for the Jets to succeed, they need him to go out there and try and make plays.
0: Now, my big question for the Jets' defense has been, it it does seem like, at least in the early going, looking at some of the numbers, this is Jets' defense is is playing pretty well uh, in this first month under new head coach Robert Sala. They're coming off a seven-sack performance against Tennessee This past weekend for the Falcons fans listening, you know, or uh, I I won't speak for all Falcon fans, but I certainly know for me, uh, you know, one of my biggest concerns about this Falcons team has been their offensive line and it's inconsistent performance. They held up reasonably well against Washington's pass rush this past week. So I guess my question is, is this Jets pass rush as good as maybe some of the numbers are saying, or is this maybe a reflection of they haven't necessarily played too many teams early in the season that are known for
1: having a lot of offensive firepower. I don't know that it's as good as the numbers would suggest. Now last week against the Titans, Tennessee was playing without Julio Jones and AJ Brown and the Jets cornerback group is not really a great strength, but against a depleted Tennessee receiving core, I think that they were a little bit more comfortable sending blitzes. And I think that that played a role in it. Now this is a Jets defense that blitzes on third down relatively frequently, but I think on early downs, they tend to want to play more conservatively. And I do think that that played a role in it, that they were sending more. I mean, there were plays where I saw one watching the film. There were plays where the Jets weren't even covering receivers that were coming out of the backfield for the Titans. And if Ryan Tannehill had found them, Jets could have been in some trouble, but the Blitzes just got home. That said, this is a very talented defensive line. Now they're playing without Carl Lawson, who was their big free agent signing. He got hurt in the preseason. It was actually a training camp joint practice with Green Bay. Losing him hurt a lot, but you have guys who are really stepping up. You have John Franklin Myers, who Jets acquired from the Rams a few years ago, who's really developed into a very, very solid player. He was constantly on the backfield on Sunday from the defensive end position. Quinnen Williams, third-year player out of Alabama. He was the number three pick, posted a pair of sacks. He, at the end of last year, really began to come on, and he got off to a bit of a slow beginning to 2021 but the last two weeks he's really been a force inside he had a couple of sacks as well there are you know the Jets they have Sheldon Rankins who's a guy you probably saw a couple of times in the NFC South there's some talent on this defensive line you have guys who can win matchups and control the pre- control the trenches I don't think we'll see another game like they played against Tennessee but that's probably the strength of this defense
0: um, my last question for you, uh, John, is looking at the injury report. Um, and a couple of players missed today. Is there any early injuries so far this week? You know, we're recording this. You know, after Wednesday's practice, but um, you know, are there any injuries that Falcon fans should be
1: keeping their eye on that could wind up impacting this matchup? Well, we know Marcus May is going to be out. Uh, May suffered an ankle injury. He missed the Sunday game against the Tennessee Titans and. He's a key player on the Jets' defense. He's a safety who kind of was in obscurity for the first couple of years of his career because he was actually drafted the same year the Jets took Jamal Adams. Adams was the first round pick in 2017. May was the second round pick. So the Jets will be without him. Outside of that, there are a couple of injuries, I, I think, to keep your eyes on. Um, if you look at it, Brandon Echols is in the concussion protocol. He's been the Jets' number two corner. There have been some rumblings that maybe he'll be able to play, but he missed practice on Wednesday. You also have Elijah Moore, the rookie receiver, who was also been in the concussion protocol. He returned to practice on Wednesday. He's gotten off to kind of a slow start to the season. There was a lot of buzz around him in training camp, although he missed the preseason because he suffered an injury in camp. But I'm sure the Jets would love to get him back into the lineup on on, on Sunday. He's a guy that they've been expecting big things from. Again, a bit of a slow start to the season, but he's a guy who I think can help them. And I think closer to the end of the year, maybe we'll see more out of him.
0: Absolutely. So uh we're gonna switch gears here and flip sides on today's crossover Thursday as we continue here with John Butchko of Locked On Jets, and of course. Myself, Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. But before we get there, I want to thank you for making Locked on Falcons your first listen of the day. But I also have a suggestion for your second listen, which is the Locked on Braves podcast. One of the daily podcasts devoted to every major league baseball team here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And of course, you can find Locked on Braves on Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So football season is underway, and all eyes are on the gridiron. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With an updated website and interface, and even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or sign up today using your mobile device with the promo code Locked On for a fifty percent welcome bonus. The Falcons are currently favored by three points this Sunday in their home game against the New York Jets in London and the Atlanta Braves are one and a half run road underdogs against the Milwaukee Brewers on Friday in game one of the NLDS. But whichever spread you prefer, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers. Available for the 2021 season, Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: It's Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John with Locked On Jets, along with Aaron from Locked On Falcons. And we are here to preview the Week 5 game between the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. It will be Sunday morning in London. So, Aaron, by noon, one of us is going to be very happy, and the other one of us will have our day ruined at a very early point. Aaron, I guess I have to begin by asking you about Kyle Pitts. He was the big draft pick that the Falcons made. He was a guy who got a lot of buzz heading into the season. What kind of a beginning to his career is he off to?
0: Yeah, it hasn't lived up to the hype so far. And I think part of that was due to the Falcons' decision to trade Julio Jones left a, a pretty massive void in the Falcons offense, getting that sort of reliable playmaker in that sort of security blanket that he Julio Jones has been for Matt Ryan for the past decade. And so the expectations were, you know, Calvin Ridley can't get all the targets vacated by Julio Jones. And so the best option besides Ridley is going to be Kyle Pitts. And so the expectation going into the season was that Kyle Pitts would be utilized quite a bit in this Falcons offense. And it's been kind of a mixed bag. You, there's been chunks of games where Pitts was a non-factor. You go back to the Giants game in week 3 where he didn't have a single target into the fourth quarter. And that wasn't necessarily singularly owed to the Giants just uh double teaming him and, and taking him out of the game. It was just the Falcons just didn't really do a whole lot to try to feature him in the offense and you you've seen Pitts perform better in uh this past sunday's performance against washington but it's still kind of a work in progress to get him integrated the expectation was that he was going to be a huge part of their red zone offense and and be sort of their go-to playmaker you know inside the 20 and while they have targeted him a bunch he has yet to you know reel in a touchdown at this point this season it hasn't really hurt the falcons given that their red zone efficiency has been pretty high this season uh i think they're in the top 15 there but It is one of those things where, you know, the expectation with Kyle Pitts was that he would sort of hit the ground running coming out of the gates. And, you know, he's a rookie tight end. That's a position that is notorious for not necessarily having guys come in right away and impacting early. So it continues to be a work in progress as this season unfolds. And I think there are signs that Pitts and Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith, the head coach and play caller, you know, they're getting a little bit more comfortable with each other. But it just isn't sort of hitting as quickly as I think a lot of people hoped.
1: Now, broadening our view a bit, what kind of a start is Matt Ryan off to under this new coaching staff?
0: Well, the good thing for Matt Ryan is he's coming off a very good game against Washington. That was his best game of the year. The first couple of weeks were just, you know, it wasn't that he was bad, but it was just very, very mediocre. He he did not look like a quarterback uh, of his, that he has performed at of his caliber, top 10, top 15 type of quarterback, and just seemed to be kind of an average starter and a lot of it is due to the Falcons offense being very limited, particularly without sort of a real vertical threat in this offense where Matt Ryan's uh, number of attempts of, of passes beyond 20 yards was at the bottom of the league. I think Andy Dalton's the only quarterback in the league that attempted fewer deep passes than Matt Ryan has so far this season. They open things up a little bit against Washington and were able to hit on some big plays. There was a big 42-yard touchdown to Cordero Patterson on the deep post. And that was basically Matt Ryan's first completed deep pass of the season. Um and so, you know, it's it's been a tough going for Matt Ryan. It been the offense has been probably a little bit too check down oriented in in large part due to the concerns about the Falcons ability to hold up against the rush. They have gotten steadily better each and every week uh, in terms of their offensive line and their pass protection, and hopefully that continues to be a trend and that will allow Matt Ryan to have a little bit more comfort level, you know, holding that football and and being able to push the ball down the field a little bit further because otherwise their offense has been very limited to that degree. So it, it hasn't been a great going for Matt Ryan. Not all of that is his fault due to some concerns about the supporting cast around them. They don't really have a running game. The pass protection hasn't been great. They don't really have playmakers that can really stretch the defense or at least the playmakers that they do have, like Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, haven't really been asked to do that so far this season. Um So, you know, some of the criticism that I think Matt Ryan has gotten has been um, a little bit too much. But at the same time, he wasn't doing a whole lot on his own to really elevate the rest of the, the unit in those first three games. But I think this past Sunday against Washington, we started to see the Matt Ryan of old. And hopefully that will be the Matt Ryan we continue to see the rest of the season.
1: No, I know the Falcons' past defense has had a few issues this season. What do you attribute the struggles to thus far? Um,
0: all of the above. <laughs> I would say, it, you know, I think the, probably the, the number one issue is their lack of pass rush. Um, you know, Dante Fowler and Grady Jarrett are really their only two, uh, you know, proven options as far as pass rush goes. And when neither of those two guys are getting to the quarterback, the Falcons haven't had a ton of success getting to the quarterback. They have been trying to supplement things with uh, blitzing a lot more, but they haven't necessarily been, as aggressive as they probably need to be throwing blitzes at opposing quarterbacks. And I think in large part, that's due to concerns on the back end. Their secondary play has not been great. Their safety play has not been great. Their quarterback play has not been great. Their linebacker play in in terms of coverage has not been great. And so, you know, that's why I say all of the above. It it seems like whatever you want to sit here and point fingers at as to, you know, holding back this Falcons pass defense it's been, you know, you can pick anything out of the hat and it will probably uh, be a contributing factor.
1: Now for the Jets, this is a, this is a rebuilding year. They went to two and 14 last season they're playing as many, they have the most rookie snaps in the NFL so far through the first four weeks. The Falcons also have a new head coach in Arthur Smith. And I'm wondering what the expectations were heading into the season for the Falcons and whether they've met them so far.
0: Well, it depends on who you ask. You know, some people will sit here and tell you, "Oh, we knew the Falcons were not going to be particularly good this season and this was going to be the start of a rebuild." Others were a little bit more optimistic. Uh, in terms of believing that this team with a new head coach could sort of live up to the expectations that they failed to live up to the last three seasons under their old head coach and Dan Quinn, when they were expected to be a playoff team and potentially a team that could compete and win their division and compete for a Super Bowl uh, over the last couple of seasons, uh, obviously they were a far cry from living up to those expectations under Dan Quinn. And so I think a lot of people hope that Arthur Smith would sort of be that magic bullet that could come in and allow that team to, to live up to that. And, you know, they have been nowhere closer. And in fact, you can make a, pretty uh, easy argument that that they are actually taking a step back from where they have been uh, these last couple of years uh, under Dan Quinn in large part due to these struggles of the Falcons offense, which has always been sort of where their bread has been buttered in terms of their ability to win football games. If their offense is struggling, you know, they just don't have the the caliber of defense to really stop teams and and win low scoring uh, type of ball games. Um, So I, I think with expectations, again, depending on who you ask, you know, the Falcons, One in three start um, is right on par with what some people thought, but I think is certainly below where I think most people were at with this team. And what it's looking like is that this team is also rebuilding, but unfortunately, they don't necessarily have... The same situation that a team like the Jets have where they have a bunch of young players, um, you know, a relatively open salary cap situation. The Falcons have a lot of highly paid players that they've paid over the last, you know, four or five years with the expectation that they were going to help guide this team, you know, deep into the postseason. And they have, as I mentioned, failed to live up to those expectations. And so this rebuild is going to be a little bit more of a issue for them. Because is it going to require them to clear cap space in the near future, um, you know, which would mean that they may wind up getting worse as a football team uh, moving forward if they lose players like Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones, some of these more prominent names currently on the Falcons roster that are paid a lot of money. But if they're not performing, do the does the team basically tear it all down? And so that's going to be a big question that's going to hang over this franchise you know, the rest of the season as well as next offseason. And depending on how they perform the rest of the way, I think is going to determine if they can start, you know, playing better and, and winning some games, then I think they'll feel less inclined to completely tear it all down. But, you know, if they wind up, you know, finishing the season with like three or four wins or something like that, then, you know, there's going to be no other recourse other than to just completely blow it up.
1: Right, well, Aaron. Hopefully, things improve for both of our teams going forward. I would, I would say, I'll chat with you again the next time these teams play in 2025. But who knows? Maybe we'll have a Super Bowl in our future before then. Maybe, maybe, one can hope.
0: All right, guys, there you have it, John Bushko of Locked On Jets. And while John is not on Twitter, you can find his written content over at Gangrene Nation the SB Nation website for the New York Jets and tomorrow's episode we will probably be getting into the all 22 that I was finally able to watch on Wednesday rather than on Tuesday and so we didn't necessarily do our all 22 review on Wednesday's episode but we'll do it on Friday's episode and not sure exactly what aspect I'm going to dive into but we'll probably revisit the topic we discussed on Wednesday talking about you know Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson and and how the best Utilize those guys, um, you know, probably, you know, bring up once again, I'm just going to keep, you know, Inserting it into podcast probably on a daily basis. You know, maybe we could add a, a, a wide receiver and, and why I think that based off of the film and whatnot. Um, but uh, we'll see what other things we get into on the, tomorrow's Locked On Falcons. And so I want to uh, bid you guys goodbye by basically thanking you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen. Uh, but in addition to Locked On Braves as a suggestion for your second listen of the day, why not make it Peacock and Williamson podcast, one of the national shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can get insight on all 32 teams from NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scat, scout Matt Williamson, and check those guys out. There was a lot of big moves made on Wednesday with the Stefan Gilmore trade as well as Jalen Smith being released and picked up by the Green Bay Packers. So get Brian and Matt's insights into those roster moves, as well as what it means for the respective teams with Locked On Patriots, Locked On Panthers, Locked On Packers, Locked On Cowboys. Of course, if you want to get additional insights into those specific moves. But definitely go check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, Mm -hmm. part of the Locked On podcast network. And of course, you can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So guys, there you have it. If you want to provide your feedback to me or ask questions to potentially be answered on tomorrow's episode, you can of course do so by hitting me up on Twitter at locked on Falcons on Facebook at locked Falcons, or you can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it. Till then.